Welcome to On the Spot with Melinda Garvey, the On the Dot interview series where we sit down with some of the most intriguing and interesting women to watch featured in our daily email newsletter and podcast, Four Minutes with On the Dot. Make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode of On the Spot, now available every Thursday on your favorite podcast streaming services. Today, I'm sitting down with Paulina Karpis, co-founder and CEO of Brunchwork, a curated community of high-achieving millennials. Without further ado, let's start the show. Welcome to On The Spot. I'm your host, Melinda Garvey, the founder of On The Dot, whose mission is to lead women to success through the stories and actionable advice from role models. But the key here is that these role models are relatable and women who are just like you and me who have blazed the trail before us. So we're bringing them to you so that we can help you walk your own path to success. And today I'm really excited to welcome Paulina Karpis, the founder of Brunchwork, whose mission is to advance careers through community. And I love that. I love just being together because I think sometimes we live in this world where we're behind the screen all the time, right? And even with all the new remote working. So I love this whole idea of community and I'm excited to dive into that. So welcome, Paulina. I'm really excited to have you here today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be joining and and having the opportunity to share a little bit more about Brentwork. What I love to do first is to kind of go way back. So when you were growing up, when you were, you know, a, a young girl and a young woman, what was your big dream? What did you think you wanted to do? What did you want to be when you grow up? And, and sort of tell us a little bit about your path. Yeah, so I'll start when I was just a really little kid, and then you can sort of dive in after that. But when I was a really little child growing up, I wanted to be a journalist. It was sort of my dream to be a broadcast journalist and a lot of people have different role models when they're growing up and it's so funny when I look back on it the person who I looked up to the most when I was like 10 years old was probably like Barbara Walters or one of the anchors on me and I had a passion all through like elementary school middle school high school of being a journalist and sharing people's stories and that was really a driver for me and where I thought maybe my career would go. And then uh, my parents actually really did not want me to be a journalist. They kind of squashed that dream. And I got to college and I studied econ and math. And I love those subjects too. And it kind of just made more sense. And based on like family pressure and stuff, I, I took sort of a finance job. And but I think over time, I sort of a lot of what we do at Brunchwork is tell stories, particularly business stories of business people and, and the secrets to their success. So I think over time, despite pressure from my family, it kind of went back to that early childhood. Very interesting. Well, I think it is too, our paths are influenced by so many different things. And I, I think that we, we often start out thinking, okay, we're on this path and it's a straight line. And I think a lot of people get derailed because they, they're so like, wow, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And we all know that there's so many twists and turns. And I guess that at the end of the day, what makes you who you are is all those twists and turns in your path. So interesting. Right very happy that I um, derailed a little bit just from the pure like journalism communication storytelling path because I really value the foundation that I have where I, I know numbers inside and out I know the economy really well and I, I'm really happy for the twists and turns in my turn and so let's talk a little bit about what you were doing because you went into banking right like yeah. um, but you're at J.P. Morgan for, for a long time. So tell us a little bit about that and what you did there and sort of how that prepared you for what you're now doing. 
Yeah, so my first job out of college, I had gone to school um, in, in New Hampshire, and, and everyone from that school felt like went into either banking and consulting, and so I just followed the path. I was at J.P. Morgan for five years. I'm very grateful for my time there because I think it gave me a good foundation of business. It gave me a good foundation of financial markets and economics, and I, I really appreciate that. And in my last role there, it's really interesting. So at the time I was leaving, so about a year and a half before I left, I was tasked with helping to build out their broker relationship management function. So essentially, I was on the asset management side of JP Morgan, meaning we were managing money on behalf of institutions and individuals. And because we were managing the money, we have relationships with other Wall Street banks, sort of who helped us facilitate those trades and other types of financial transactions. And when I was in that role helping build it out, what I noticed, I was dealing a lot with different trading desks, and I noticed that, let's say the equity trading desk, it used to be one or two floors of this beautiful headquarters that J.P. Morgan has on Park Avenue. And I remember going in to meet with the equity trading desk and or the equity trading team, and it was 10 people in a small room. And what I had noticed based on this role in my time at J.P. Morgan was that it seemed like the financial world was really changing and that a lot of trends and automation and outsourcing were coming to just eat finance jobs over time and that over time a lot of it would just be digital and that the roles of people in finance were, were changing quite quickly because what I saw happening in equities, we were having conversations around what that would look like in fixed income and in other asset classes. So I was just like, wait a minute, there might not be all that many jobs left here throughout the course of my career. The world is changing so fast. When I started thinking about those questions, I was like, I should probably retool. I should probably skill up. I need to be prepared. And similarly to how everyone I knew had gone into finance and banking in the first place, without giving it much thought, I felt like those same exact people were just going to get an MBA without giving it much thought. And I gave it some thought and I was like, wait a second, this is such a huge amount of money, $500,000, including the opportunity costs of not working for two years. I could start like three businesses with that sum of money. Like that's the money you put down for your first house or something like that. I was like, this is a crazy sum of money. What is the value that I'm getting in return? What am I learning? And I saw for myself a big mismatch between the price and the value of this MBA degree. There's still things I wanted to get out of an MBA degree, but I felt like you could recreate it at a much lower price point and in a way that fits into people's routines and doesn't take people out of the workforce for two years because two years is a long time in a world that's just changing so quickly due to forces like automation, outsourcing, and other stuff. That really was sort of my early career history and how I came to start Runtrick. Well, I think it is interesting, too, just on this side note of, of education and, you know, in higher education, because I, you know, see a huge value in it, but it is shocking what it costs. You know, and I have a young child, so I'm like saving for college going, oh my gosh, you know, what they tell me it's going to cost him to go to college by the time he gets there. And I think that, that a lot of people are really grappling with it. It'll be interesting to see what happens because I think there is so much value in that, but you're right. How do we figure out how to keep those costs, you know, in some kind of reasonable level and integrate it more into, you know, into our everyday lives where people are starting businesses. I know people are starting to go online and, and 
do courses, but certainly there is no better or faster MBA than starting your own business. <laughs> I can tell you that. I'm a believer in online education, but I think what we're doing, it's necessary even as online courses become more advanced because the value of an MBA or even an undergrad these days is the people that you're meeting. It's not just the instruction, the classroom, it's the network of peers and business leaders that you're building as part of your time on campus, whether it's for grad school or undergrad, and we're recreating that part too. So in addition to the courses, there's this co community, we call it co-learning. Um, so there's this co-component that is super important. And on your point on undergrad, I think we're starting with grad school, but if we're still tackling this problem a couple decades from now, I think it's a really important problem, just how educate the value between education institutions in this country, their price and the value that they're delivering. I think undergrad is ripe for disruption. Yeah, very interesting. So we, you kind of touched a little bit on some things that you do at Brunchwork. But first, I'd like you to just sort of start soups and nuts. And first of all, start with the name. Everybody loves brunch, right? And I noticed I was looking at some of your events, but they're, and I thought, oh, well, they're all brunch events, but they're not actually all brunch events. So how did the name come about? And what's your concept behind doing this? Yeah, so I'll give you a little history on the name. What was really important for me is I was a very busy young professional at the time that I was starting Brunchwork and running it as a side hustle for the first few years. And what was really important to me was that the program would fit into my routine. There are sort of options here and there for events, weeknights when you're tired after work, or oftentimes I'd get stuck in the office and couldn't make it out. And it was really important for me that the program that we were designing it's accessible to people's busy schedules. And that's why the weekends just made sense. Because I know I wake up on the weekends, even these days when there's still some weekends where there might not be a brunch trick and there's not that much going on and there's not much to do. And the concept of empowering people in a time that makes sense for their schedules is where the weekends made sense. And the weekends, it's like brunch essential to so many people's weekends. So that's where brunch work came from. And I think like, for us, it's like, it's a cool name, it's trendy, and people are getting a lot of learning and educational value out of our program, but brunch work helps sort of make people, uh, I think, feel good about coming in to learn on the weekend because they want to do it, and the branding makes them feel even better about it. So we really love the name, and it's really taken off with people, and people hear the name, and they get what we're all about quickly. So about our dinner events, we do run some brunch work after hours programming. And again, it's usually in New York in the summer months. Because again, we want to be respectful of people's time. And you know how it is New York in the summer, everyone runs to the beach. So we want people to still be able to participate during the summer. And we know they're probably not around on the weekends. So that's where brunch work after hours came from. But I think the beauty of everything that we're doing is we are our audience. We know people's schedules. We know what they're interested in. And we plan for their needs. Tell us a little bit about who your audience is and why you decided to focus on this core audience. Yeah. 
So the question of this core audience is, the audience is people like me. I think I was so young starting out. I was a year out of college when we, when we started. So the only way I had a fighting chance to build something was that if I at least knew the audience better than people who were a lot more experienced than I was at the time. And this audience I know so well because it's people exactly like me. So people between the ages of let's say 23 and 37, so right at the millennial demographic, who are busy young professionals who care about their career, which is probably most young professionals in in urban centers these days. And we're very proud that we're split evenly between men and women. I think there's a lot more organizations that are kind of siloed in by gender these days. And when I thought about my needs, and way back when we were starting, some people told me just do a female-only organization. And when I thought about my needs and what I wanted for my career, I knew I wanted a co-ed place to network and build connections. And we're really proud of that. It's just it's a diverse environment across gender, across everything. And we're really proud of that. Excellent. So just describe some of the types of events that you do. You know, you talk about, you know, it's kind of a learning and a co-learning environment. What does that look like for you all? Yeah, so what it's looked like for the last four years is our co-founders of behavior scientists. So he sort of engineered this experience that's so perfect that every event is the same format. It's two and a half hours. It's kind of like a masterclass where we get a lot into those two and a half hours. First 30 minutes, folks connect over a healthy meal. The next hour, it's two 30-minute back-to-back sessions with industry experts. So people have different perspectives. They could be at different stages of their career. One could be an author and one could be in business. We show varied perspectives at each French work, but what the speakers have in common is that they're both at the top of their industry, that it's really sort of a who's who of the business tech and creative world. So it could be a presidential candidate coming in. It could be a CEO of a major corporation. Like let's say we had the president of HBO a couple months ago. It could be a Midas list investor. But those two Q&As, you know you're hearing from the best of the best. And then the last hour, I think we're really proud of this. We then break folks up into groups based on their interests. We curate the groups for them and we give them a case study. So they get to apply what they learn, work in teams, and work on a case and present back their solutions to the speakers. And in the process, they get coaching around some of their interpersonal skills and feedback on their ideas. And more than half the time people spend that front trick, it's very interactive. So... That's how we do it. And so the format is the same. And then the speakers change week after week. Oh, that's awesome. Well, and you talk about sort of educating a generation, the millennial generation. And what particular challenges do you think that your generation faces? There was an article I read, I believe it was an Axios. And basically, the article I read said, and I agree with this, that this generation, my generation, the millennial generation, faces the toughest economic landscape in history. And the reason is we have so much debt from our undergrads and probably some of us from our grad schools. And we're facing just a bleaker economic future due to the forces of outsourcing and automation. And I think our generation needs to be prepared for this, that... The economic landscape is not moving in our favor. 
we have to be prepared for the future of work. And my belief is that as the workplace becomes more automated, as more jobs go overseas, people are going to be starting at higher levels in their career earlier. So you better be building up your interpersonal skills. You better be building up your networks because the jobs that don't require that and that just requires sort of rote work going in and pushing the same keys on your keyboard or making powerpoints or whatever people used to do that but let's say the first 10 years of their career maybe five those jobs are just not going to be here anymore so it's really important to build skills like presentation communication influence in business those softer skills that are just going to be so much more important in the future of work. And at the same time, building building your network, because in business, I found, and I, I really believe that's the key to success. What's one of the best pieces of advice that you've heard? Sounds like you've had some incredible people come in. Is there any kind of nugget? I'm sure there are lots of them, but something particular? I think the reason that Brentrick has been has taken off and gotten the kind of traction that we have is because I've been learning on the go from all of our amazing speakers who just drop these incredible nuggets of business every week. I hear so much great advice every week. I think over the years, the best piece of advice I've gotten is just to take calculated risks to not be afraid to go after your dreams, to go after your goal, but to do so in a way that you're doing it in a way that's logical and practical and you're not just betting the dice without having a plan. And I think that's really important advice that's come through speaker after speaker. But they're amazing nuggets I pick up every week, whether it's tactical advice on marketing. We just had an incredible B2C expert come speak at Brunchwork incredible advice on leadership and building teams. It's like week after week, it's helped me grow as a, a leader. And I think taking our company forward quickly because we're in those rooms listening to those conversations. Oh, that's awesome. So you are currently in three cities, is that right? New York, LA, and San Francisco? Yeah, so we're actively hosting in three cities and we have a national newsletter that's approaching 50,000 people. And people write in, it feels like every day, hey, can you bring brunch work to our city? So we definitely have national reach and national interest. And for us, it's about timing and figuring out the right way to do it. And we're really excited about going beyond those cities that we're in one day. And there's definitely a lot of hungry brand ambassadors who will help us. That's so great. As we kind of close up here, I'd love to do our little speed round so we can get to know a little bit more about you personally. So the first question is, what does your morning routine look like? So my morning routine, I wake up and what I need to get my morning going is I like to have a cold glass of water with lemon in it. And I also like to have a big cup of cold brew. And once I do that, I use my inbox as sort of a task management. Our team does most of our work within Gmail. So we use the chat, we use the calendar, and my inbox is literally my prioritization for the day, including a Google Doc that I have with all sort of longer term projects. So yeah, I cold glass of water, cold brew, and going through task management through my T-suite. Excellent. And what are you currently reading or listening to? So it's summer season in New York. So one book that I have that I've been reading, it's called The Normal People by Sally Rooney, the New York Times bestseller. It's a piece of fiction, but I've really enjoyed it. And I don't really read as many business books these days. Job training. You need a little break from it, right? (laughs) So who is your role model? The woman that 
I really look up to in business. She founded Linda.com. Her first name also starts with Linda. Her last name, it's flipping me right now, but she's the woman behind Linda.com. And why I admire her is, I think she sold over a billion dollars to LinkedIn. It's now LinkedIn Learning. She bootstrapped for probably two decades really built up this engaged audience, really provided a lot of value. And then in the home stretch, raised some money and had this sky high valuation and really dedicated her career to helping people learn online. And I definitely admire her impact. That's awesome. What's one thing you can't live without? One thing I can't live without. Good question. I think the basic one is my cell phone. I do everything. Your cell phone and your cold brew, right? Yeah. (laughs) Okay, and what's one piece of advice you'd give your 10-year-old self? I think it's what I said earlier, just take calculated risk. If you're too scared to do anything in terms of your career and you keep following the same path, then I think at some point you'll have a lot of regrets, but at least if you are willing to take risks, as long as they're smart, thought through, you have some traction behind the risk that you're taking, you have savings in the bank, then I think as time passes, you'll be happier with yourself. So I'm definitely grateful for all the risks I've taken so far in my career, and I'm happy that they were calculated risks. Well, tell everybody before we close up how they can find brunch work and how they can encourage you to come to their city. So we are very excited about launching in cities outside of New York, San Francisco, and LA over time. What we need to make that happen is we're building our newsletter lists in in other cities. So if you're interested in bringing Brentrick to your city and being one of the people who helps get it off the ground, the website to go to www.brunchwork.com. And you'll see there's a drop down with all the different cities planning to launch in soon. And just put in your email and you'll get some communication around how you could even be the, the person who helps us get it off the ground. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I'm very excited for everything that you're doing. And it sounds like you're putting a lot of good and education out there in the world, especially for the millennial generation. So yeah, we're excited to see what you do next. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you. For more female empowerment, inspiration, and advice, subscribe to our free daily newsletter and audio brief, Four Minutes with On The Dot. Let us know your thoughts or what you want to hear next from at On The Dot Woman on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're here to help you become the best boss babe you are meant to be. 